Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today I want to share a word about the master teacher as I comment on Mark chapter 4. Let's begin by reading verses 1 through 9. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came up and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. My wife is a retired educator and she disagrees with the idea that teaching is an easy profession. She strongly disagrees with the saying, those who can do and those who can't teach. That, as anyone who has ever taught knows, is a false statement. Teaching isn't all that easy. Let me give you a, a couple of examples to prove that point. In every introductory psychology course in college, at least everyone I know of, the students must participate in a laboratory experience where they train a white rat. In my school, we had to train the rat to react to a light by pressing a lever uh, to get a treat. And you would think that training a dumb beast like a rat would be easy for intelligent humans, but that isn't always the case. Every semester, someone, often several students, have trained the rat to grab the light instead of pressing the lever. It isn't all that easy to be a teacher. And besides being a hard task, the teacher must be sure to teach the right things. We often say that practice makes perfect, but in truth, practice makes permanent. If you teach the wrong things, you will cause major problems for students. For example, one child's aunt was trying to encourage this boy to learn his times tables, to memorize them. And he said, you just need to be able to rattle off the answers, just like snapping your fingers. Like, like you should be able to spit out that 8 times 8 equals 72, just like that. If you didn't understand that last point, uh, remedial math classes will be available soon. 8 times 8 is 64, but never mind. It's not easy to be a teacher, but as we continue to review the life and ministry of Jesus, we will find that he was the master teacher. And today we will see the master teacher demonstrating his craft. So we need to watch him and we need to learn. So let's begin by looking at the ministry of the teacher. The ministry of the teacher. Now, Jesus spent much of his ministry teaching. So much so, in fact, that he was often called rabbi, which literally means teacher. 
in Hebrew. He taught from the beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. And he took every opportunity he had to teach. Jesus taught in many, many different situations. First, uh, he taught in the synagogue amongst the religious Jews. He also taught as he walked and lived day by day with his 12 disciples. He taught large crowds who came to see him, like in our passage for today, but he also taught people at their homes, at meals, and at other times. He taught in the temple, and the scholars were amazed. He taught sinners as he showed them God's love. He taught as he healed the sick and opened the eyes of the blind. He taught by example. And he has now passed on the ministry of teaching to us. The Great Commission instructed us to make disciples of all nations and to teach them all that Jesus commanded us. And so we must ourselves teach what we have been taught. We are blessed that the Holy Spirit has given the gift of teaching to people, and those who have it must use it. But all of us are teachers, either intentionally and didactically in a class or with someone who we're mentoring, or uh, by the way we live our lives organically. Remember, Jesus told us in Acts 1-8 that we will be His witnesses, and we are going to be His witnesses whether we choose to be or not, and whether we are good witnesses or whether we're not. As we teach, others learn about the love of God, and we learn more and more ourselves. In fact, what I've discovered is the best way to learn is to teach. The teacher always learns more than the students. So we saw the ministry of the teacher. Let's see the methods of the teacher. Mark 4, 10-13 tells us, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? Different people learn through different techniques. Some people are visual learners. They like to see things, while other people learn through hearing. Some are tactile learners by touching, and almost everyone learns through doing. In his ministry, Jesus used the full range of teaching techniques. He taught didactically, like in the Sermon on the Mount. He also taught by example, like when he healed the paralytic. And he taught as well by experience, by sending out his followers to do ministry two by two, giving them practical experience of doing ministry. Much of his teaching, however, was done through parables. Now, the basic structure of most sermons includes exposition of the word, explanation of the points made by the word, and illustration of that point and application in our lives. But a parable is an illustrated sermon. It's not a sermon illustration, but an illustrated sermon. We remember stories when we don't remember the sermon. And so a parable uses a story to teach a truth. I remember very clearly the time my pastor, the pastor that uh, did my wife and my wedding ceremony, was preaching a sermon. 
And he wound up a rift about the consequences of sin by proclaiming, Be careful, for your sins will find you out, just like how God drowned the Israelites in the Red Sea. For the record, it was the Egyptians that drowned in the Red Sea. But I will never forget what my pastor said that day about the consequences of sin, even though I don't remember the rest of his message because of that story. A less frivolous lesson was taught in the fabled Footprints in the Sand poem by Mary Stevenson. Many people have learned about God's care and concern for them through that short but powerful parable, which is in the form of a poem. For Jesus, there was a method to this perceived madness. Some people were not ready to hear the truth, and others were actively working against the truth. Using parables was the way that Jesus could teach them best. His method is example to all of us as we teach God's truth. For example, missionaries in a country which was closed to the gospel learned to use the technique of chronological Bible storying in their, in their missionary efforts. They were able to continue to teach these Bible stories after the local authorities were informed of their presence. These government officials did not feel threatened because they are just telling stories. It was a powerful way of sharing the gospel, however. Next, let's see the message of the teacher. Mark 4, 13 through 20 tells us, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, uh, when the affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown amongst thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. You know, Jesus did many things during his ministry. He fed people. He turned water into wine. He healed people. He revived the dead. He radically opposed the powers that oversaw Israel. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. Yes, Jesus did many, many things in his ministry. In fact, John says if everything he had done was written down in books, all the books in the world wouldn't hold all he did. But he had one purpose, to seek and save that which was lost through the spreading of the gospel message. Now, churches and Christians also do many things in our ministry. In fact, some churches look like kicked over anthills, however, how busy that they are. And we've devised all kinds of programs from sports to scrapbooking. But activity for its own sake is not ministry, however. Believers must focus what they do in the same way that Jesus did. But sadly, purpose, vision, mission, often these things are all missing. The lesson we must learn from the parable is to focus on teaching the gospel. That's what Jesus did. And that is what Paul did as well in his ministry as he told the church at Corinth. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul also taught them in 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to, the, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Therefore, as Paul taught us, we should imitate him as he imitated Jesus. And that means if we aren't teaching the gospel, then all we're doing is just making noise and wasting time. Finally, we see the majesty of the teacher. The majesty of the teacher. Mark 4, 21 through 29 says, and he said unto them, Is a candle brought in to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given, and to him that hath not, from him shall it be taken, even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Teaching is hard, unheralded work. Few teachers acquire or accrue any fame or glory. In fact, the glory in teaching is seeing the lives of your students changed. Teachers want to see that they're having an impact. They want to see growth occur. They want to see their students be able to do what they couldn't do before and understand what they couldn't understand before and know what they didn't know before. Jesus wanted to see lives transformed by the gospel, and he still does. He wants our lives to shine out like lamps. He wants our lives to be open books for God. He wants us to be growing daily in the gospel. Are we instruments of transformation in our home, in our workplaces? in our churches, in our communities. If not, we should be. And we should do this by teaching the gospel message. Because when the gospel goes forth, it changes lives, and that's a glorious thing. Paul described this effect in Philippians 4.1, saying, Therefore, my brethren, 
dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Yes, Jesus is the master teacher. But in conclusion, have we been diligent students? We need to dedicate ourselves to learning from him. And if we do, we'll have the abundant life that he's promised. And we can help others find that abundant life if we teach them all that we've been taught by Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett. Thank you.